Okay, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode three, season four of the Western Podcast. Um, I am your host once again, Nicole Catalina. I am one of the writers for the Western, and I'd like to thank you all for joining in. Um, I really appreciate the support um, for the show so far. Um, I really appreciate the feedback from families and friends and just having people supporting the platform as well has been really amazing. Um, so yeah, so if you have any suggestions for any guests that you want to hear on this podcast, if you want to see more content from us, we just want to drop by and say hi. Don't be afraid to get on our socials. So we've got our Instagram on the Western. So it's at the.western or you can shoot up a message on our website, thewestern.com.au. So we'll just like to start this episode with an acknowledgement to country. On behalf of the Western team, we would like to acknowledge the Derek people as the traditional custodians of the land where we're currently recording this podcast. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, emerging, and continue to acknowledge the spiritual connection to country. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Okay, cool. So for this episode, we've got Jade Diaz. So just to give a bit of background, Jade Diaz is an Australian-born, gender-fluid Filipino visual artist and makeup artist based in Rudy Hill. Born in 1998, their practice in makeup artistry began with their introduction into the Sydney queer and drag scene and has been backboned by their practice in the visual arts. Diaz's visual expression is heavily guided by their exploration of their own gender identity and navigation of mental health. Transitioning from being active in the drag scene to a much quieter practice in freelance and part-time work, Diaz continues their practice more privately as a way of meditation and self-care. As of late, their practice in makeup artistry has also served as a way of decolonizing and addressing internalized racism surrounding the perception of beauty and continues to serve as a tool for them in navigating the day-to-day. So without further ado, Jade, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) No worries. So just a little icebreaker. what is your favorite filo food? You mentioned barbecue. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. My mom is making barbecue literally as we speak. Oh, um, but I think my favorite go-to comfort food for like, I guess like now that we're going into winter, I just really love arroscaldo. Because it's just like nice and soupy and then you can have it with chicken or pork and then it just always feels like a hug. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Filo food, like... As much as there's like so much cholesterol in it, mm. they make such, such. It's so naughty, but it's just you can't get around exactly. it. Exactly, it's like good comfort food. It really is. Yeah, especially around the season, like, like I could just imagine myself like eating dal. Like, Yum. That oh is gosh. just ugh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thank you, Jade, again for being on the show. Um, the reason why I wanted to include you for this podcast, mm-hmm. it's not just because, you know, Raven mentioned you in the last episode. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Raven. <laughs> Shouts to Raven. Um, I think it's because we want to give a platform for more queer and non-binary guests um, on the Western, um, especially queer and non-binary people of color. Um, you know, I don't think representation should just be a matter of like, oh, ticking all the boxes, just performing all the performativity points. Mm. Like, oh yeah, we have a brown person on the team. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It should be a matter of like, you know, actually sharing their story and like hearing, you know, affirming their identities. Um, And we're starting to get that now. So especially from like queer um, Filipinx writers. So Vaughn Padiag for TV, we've got Miranda Aguilar, we've got our former editor, Mark Mariano, shouts to Mm him. and, you know, as I said, it's important to elevate their stories because, you know, we want to celebrate their identities and mm-hmm. affirm them um, in Western City. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Let's just start at the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what inspired you to become um, a makeup artist? What, how did you get to that point? <laughs> okay, this is like a story I have to tell maybe like every like week or so, which is fun <laughs> but I, because I love it. Because it's just like, I think it's a very interesting story. Yeah. Um, but I got into makeup purely because of like the queer community and mm-hmm. through drag because of the artistry of it. And I just yeah. really admired it. Um, I had never been like one of those girls who not even a girl Mm -hmm. um but has like done their makeup at all in general Mm -hmm. um but when the concept of like drag and like painting your face um came into play when I first heard that that sort of when it like sort of clicked for me Mm -hmm. um and then I was like okay cool I think I can do this and then sort of started um teaching myself at home um playing around at home with like what I had like you know drugstore makeup and stuff like that I literally started buying like makeup from eBay for like twelve dollars um but yeah that's where it sort of started um and I just really enjoyed the artistry of it and would do like really just like weird like very I when I started like very very club kid inspired like drag looks um and that's when I sort of started involving myself a little bit more with like the queer and drag community oh awesome yeah and i think it's i think it's good to like start out like cheap with like through drugs i feel like when you think of like becoming a makeup artist mm. it's all of they think oh you have to go to sephora or like yeah. go to fenty beauty but seriously like starting out with your resources it's like so key yeah absolutely like drugstore makeup is like so good and like a lot of it now like mm-hmm. with time has become just as amazing as stuff that you can get in like like retail stores like Sephora and like Mecca Mm. um and like you know like as someone who like grew up like in the west and Mm -hmm. like not had the same accessibility to everyone else Mm -hmm. um I thought that was like a really good place to start and like for anyone to start yeah absolutely yeah so with that starting point um did you sort of figure out what kind of style that you were working with or were you just like, oh, just experiment and just play around with things? And then do you think you can define your style now or are you still experimenting at this point? I feel like um, when I first started and even like last year, that was a place where I definitely found a certain like drag style and aesthetic that mm-hmm. I really established for myself, mm-hmm. um, which is like a thing that I don't do so much anymore. Um but yeah um like I feel like with with drag I definitely started off with like um influences from um like my visual arts background um and like really 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 loved surrealism and things like that and would play with different proportions of like the face and um really really loved the transformation of it um and wanted to push how far I could sort of take um you know surrealism on a human face um but as of now um not so much practicing or like in the drag scene anymore I feel like I've gone like a little bit more commercial um a little bit safer but um I do definitely like miss the sort of like edge that drag has okay what do you mean by like a more safer style now because you did sort of mention your bio that sort of more concentrated in a more private space so Mm. i was really curious about that can you explain that a bit more yeah so um with like drag it was like a very big community thing um and i feel like with a lot of things that happened like during covid um some things just like fall 
fell out of place mm-hmm. um which is like unfortunate but i find myself definitely like in a better and happier place now um and not to say that like commercial is bad or anything i've like been really really good with it um but yeah i feel like um me transitioning into this like chiller period has helped me focus more on myself and like my internal healing and also like the healing of me and my relationship with like my artistic practice um because drag is such a like public thing um so you're constantly like being looked at and I was like as someone who struggles with like mental health and especially like anxiety it was like a very interesting thing to navigate um especially when you're on social media and you feel pressured to you know be producing content all the time and constantly be on trend or like do something new and something different so I feel like that's why I've sort of chilled out a little bit oh that's really great yeah I really like that sort of approach to just keeping to yourself because I think it's such a natural response as artists that it's all about oh you have to connect with the community Mm. you have to keep involving yourself and making connections all that kind of stuff but I think putting yourself in that space just literally to yourself is just as important and this factor of like mental health especially because like Filipino mental health Mm. is so like oh my god yeah (laughs) let's talk about that (laughs) yeah let's get into it let's get let's go (laughs) it's so like it's so weird because it's almost like you sweep it under the rug oh absolutely and I feel like um that's something that I've had to deal with like for most of my life and um sort of had to you know um (laughs) like I had to I feel like I was also raised in an environment where we sort of like would sweep it under the rug and like would not take it sort of seriously it's always like oh it's not really a big deal like um and I thought that same way for such a long time but then um when I finally like took control of like you know my own healing um and told myself it's okay for me to feel this way and it's okay for me to like want to be better from it as well but I'm allowed to feel this in this moment um it really helped with you know the progression of me and my work and um me also like being in a much better place now yeah 100 percent. yeah I especially like this idea of like affirming your emotions because yeah I think as Filipinos in the diaspora we mm. have such a habit of what's the word shit it's lost me um becoming people pleasers mm, absolutely like, yeah. yeah like we are so sort of hardwired into you know Asian diasporas typically broadly speaking mm. they are very collectivistic yeah, and absolutely. we have such a tendency to just you know don't worry about thinking for yourself mm. just think back to who is it that you're serving to others and mm. I think that is just so important to um sort of return back to yourself and return to yeah affirming that your emotions are real and they're trying to make sense of yourself because you are still I, th- I feel like the healing process is always unending mm. oh yeah absolutely and like you know I come to points sometimes where I'm like you know what I am in like a much better place than I was um last time but then I would like sort of pretend like sometimes find myself spiraling into like another thing and it's like it's not to say that it's like a back and forth thing but um you know it's always moving forward it's just you 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 get much better at 
um, navigating it yeah, yeah, and taking care of yourself. Absolutely, 100%. Cool. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just transition um, back into sort of your – because we did we are speaking about filler stuff now. I wanted mm-hmm. to speak back about your um, – I guess, yeah, your um, non-binary – yeah, Filipino identity. Mm. Um, and I was curious about how that sort of dictates – all of your practice because you did mention that all of your makeup practice now especially when you're sort of secluded to yourself is motivated by decolonization so I wanted to ask you about how decolonization sort of motivates that um your makeup practice mm. so with um as we know the beauty industry is very you know yeah not good <laughs> not um <laughs> And, like, even just, like, in general, on a surface level, like, um, not everyone has, like, um, accessibility to, you know, shades of foundation with, like, you know, the foundation is literally, like, usually the first step. Um, And, like, for me, makeup as an artist, for myself, first of all, has um, been, like, an important thing in me, like, not trying to compare myself to like European beauty standards and like removing this perception of like especially like with um growing up Filipino and like visiting the Philippines and like constantly being bombarded with like face whitening products and like you know like brighter is like better and like you know um all our like Filipino artists are very like you know like light skin um and like yeah it's like it's very interesting to navigate there are so many things that like I can pick out of but and for me that's like one thing for me to decolonize but um also in my practice as someone who is like a person of color this is something if I'm going to be a makeup artist and be doing this work then I want to be able to um do the makeup on people of color as well um and show them that you know even if certain things aren't accessible for you, there are like different ways that you can go about it. Um, And like, you know, and like also just like a celebration of like your own beauty. It's like not something that you have to compare to things that you see like constantly like on TV or social media or in ads because like growing up with that, I was always like, why? Like I would like stop myself from standing in the sun too long because like, um, my mom or my grandma would like be like you're gonna get darker and um, now it's like well no like I'm not gonna like I, I love the sun and I love feeling the sun on my skin it's like not something I'm gonna like deprive myself the joy of um, so I think that's really important yeah absolutely 100% yeah and yeah it's definitely at the level like mentioning colorism like that is such a big issue in the like not just in the Philippines, but also we struggle with it right now. Yeah, right now. And like just even in general, like um, Southeast Asia especially. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it's because I find it interesting that, you know, we don't just think about like the images here, but if you look at like the specific images in the Philippines um, and the kind of, yeah, I guess the kind of models and actors and actresses that they spotlight within like say tv or in media or in magazines it's always like very with their skin um it's never about like the very 
you know dark skin yeah and the thing Mm. is like that is like our natural identity like we are always being dark-skinned filipinos and Mm. you know you just can't sort of you you remove yourselves from that like you can't you know you, you can apply like as much papaya um cream as you as want, you want but <laughs> it's just you know you can't remove yourself from the fact that like mm. you were brown and, yeah yeah and like no amount of like you know whitening product is gonna make someone else view you as not brown as well yeah absolutely. if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're always gonna be brown yeah exactly 100 percent. yeah no, that's a great answer yeah i think it's interesting because when it comes to decolonization, um, I really like your approach to it because lately decolonization has been sort of become like a trend. Like you just throw it out in there and you don't really mean mm. well with it. It's just kind of like, what do you mean by like the intent of using like decolonization in your practices? And I think, you know, using decolonization as a method to like dismantle not just colorism, but also putting that into that other layer of making things sort of accessible to people of color especially down here when mm. you're in a sort of lower slash middle class society like that is like so and so important so yeah um i wanted to get to the next question as well it's still sort of focusing on your identity as a non-binary filipino mm. um I, and you guys i guess you can sort of hone in on your experiences in working publicly as a drag artist what kind of struggles have you faced um, as a non-binary Filipino makeup artist and how do you sort of overcome that struggles? Because very broadly speaking, the queer community in Sydney can be very, you know, very whitewashed and oh, yeah. it can be very difficult to navigate oh, within those yeah. spaces. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I was literally having dinner with two of my friends last night and like we were talking a little bit about the... Um, drag community and I did mention that it is like a very it does feel like very white dominant and if anything like um mostly like I guess to the public eye it is like very white dominant so a lot of the figures that you see are like you know white queens um and it is like a it's an interesting thing to like talk about because there are so many um things that I can sort of pick at when it comes to sort of I guess the drag community um and I was very much part of that there but only because I was the friends that I did have in the community were white Mm -hmm. so that that in itself was hard to navigate Mm -hmm. even like even when I did like call them my friends Mm -hmm. um so like that was like one thing to navigate because like when you're in a queer space everyone's sort of like yeah cool we're all queer but then also um I just happen to be um a sort of pot of different like also like sort of like a different I uh, I also happen to be um a sort of pot of like different connecting um I forget the words I'm like I'm just <laughs> like, like losing it right now like um like I'm sectional or like yeah different yeah. intersectional like identities that are like crossing over so I'm like not only am I a queer person, I'm also a person of colour who is also non-binary. Um, so that's those are, like, other things to navigate as well. I've, like, struggled with um, being misgendered um, in the community, which is, like, a big thing. And even now, um, while I do, like, work commercially, it's, like, a hard... Or, like... Like, it is hard um, 
um, a hard conversation sometimes to have in certain contexts because it's always like, um, and also coming back to sort of this people pleaser sort of attitude. I never want to be the person to be like, hey, actually, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like, you know, it's still a thing that I'm learning and sort of um, still like reaffirming in myself to, you know, um, upon like first meeting or like to be that person and be like, hey, um, this is who I am and this is what um, I'm called um, and to please be like respectful of that. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Like, sorry, I don't know how to follow that up. I'm just trying no, to think. No, that's okay. I'm so, I feel <laughs> yeah. like sometimes my responses are like, um, no, 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 no. Don't, don't ever apologize. Um, no, I think that's so true because um, in like those kind of spaces, I don't think it's just happening in the queer community. Mm. Like, I know this is like in a lot of art spaces as well. Like, it is. Yeah, as you say, it is very communal. It is very, like, sort of oriented in, oh, you'll only get into, like, this exhibition or into this event if you know the right people. Da, da, mm. da, da. And a lot of the times, sometimes, they're not always very self-reflective of these things. Mm. Um, and did you think that, I guess, exiting out of that community and just having all of this creativity to yourself, was that sort of your way of overcoming those adversities or was it like, did you still think that you, you still wanted to maintain a connection because, you know, this is like your community, this mm. is someone you know, that you can relate to, so. Um. Yeah, it's, um, it was very difficult for me to make that choice. Um, and I haven't completely separated myself from like a lot of the people in that community because I am like very close and like hold them like very fondly um but I made the decision mostly because I wanted to um I suppose protect myself um and reclaim my energy um because I feel like I was putting so much energy in trying to sort of feel like I had to keep up with this community that sort of had like a running start in the first place. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, I like did it for myself, which is really, really good. Um, I feel like I'm like losing track. I'm like forgetting what I'm wanting to say, but um, no, it's like, I find like I'm sort of teetering in the fact that like, I'm not completely like out of it. Um, but I've definitely like separated myself from it and it is it isn't the same relationship that I had when I started yeah. um, and like I still do have like you know the like opportunities to go to certain events and clubs and things like that but I just make the conscious the conscious choice not to go mm -hmm. um, but I do know that if I do go then I will be welcome yeah. um, and I feel like if that's something that I want to do that's something I want to do in my own time mm -hmm. and when I feel like I'm in the better sort of headspace to be mm -hmm. in that environment again because um with like my mental health and also like my identity it is like a very it can be like a very jarring um environment to put yourself into because it is 
at the most part it is like a club so it's like a huge sensory overload and not only that but um you're usually around people who are not like you um so that in itself is like difficult to navigate um but I know that um if I do come back to it it'll be fine yeah yeah it's not gonna disappear yeah it's not gonna disappear and like um I still have like a lot of the same friends that I do um and have like the support from them um so I know if I do make the conscious decision to come back then I won't be alone yeah yeah oh that's wonderful yeah and yeah it kind of just goes back all to balance I think yeah Mm. like you just have to sort of recharge yourself in order to sort of give back to others and sort of have that energy to socialize with everyone else so yeah yeah that's that's a really smart way and you know it's a really beautiful way to sort of mobilize your practice in that sort of light so yeah Mm. um I guess continuing on um now that you're in literally your own space of you know all to yourself and literally just working at home um which I think is weirdly appropriate because you know I'm thinking about like last year and like lockdown that would have been really easy for you oh yeah (laughs) it was so easy for me to retreat yeah as soon as everyone was like sort of like well we're going into lockdown I was like cool see you later bye (laughs) exactly there was no issue for me to leave so like no loss yeah 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 oh yeah (laughs) just reminiscing exactly yeah good old days yeah (laughs) because yeah because it's interesting because like when you think of lockdown like Obviously, it was a struggle for, like, a lot of people because that meant, like, mm. you know, you wouldn't go to events. It would be hard to um, go out to, like, restaurants and mm. all that kind of stuff. It's hard to support, like, small businesses. Lots of small businesses were shutting down. Yeah. Um, it's still important to see, like, the sort of empowering side of it and just what's sort of brought out of that. So that's actually a really good segue to my next question about, you know, now that you work all by yourself, um, and practice yeah mobilize a lot of your makeup practice through sort of like self-care and meditation um what kind of successes do you sort of find out of that compared to say like working in the queer community like you've mentioned that um you don't get as exhausted but like what have yeah what kind of projects have you sort of gotten out of working alone by yourself um i think coming out of working alone I've been able to sort of hone in onto my own practice and sort of bring myself to a place to sort of remember why I started in the first place um as opposed to feeling this pressure of constantly having to be posting or like having to be out and um being like social with people um and it was just like a really good way to sort of I feel like with COVID, it helped me force myself to take that break, which was really, really, really needed. Um, And with that, with things like having, starting opening up again, like during last year, um, it it enabled me to be um, a bit more precious about my work and a little bit more selective about who I choose to work with as well in terms of, freelance not just in my own um, makeup practice where it's just on myself but um 
there were like certain product uh, projects where um I could like say yes or no to and like um devote my energy to and like um you know just um you know be more like conscious of the energy that I was sharing with people but also remembering to um be reflective and always at the end of the day um have energy for myself yeah absolutely yeah so yeah I think that's beautiful that's very beautifully put because there's almost like a very spiritual side to isolating yourself in a way Mm. um because what's the word um it's almost like a social detox but Mm. it's almost like part of your job like to constantly cleanse yourself yeah it it is like a good space to provide your own like self-reflection and all that kind of stuff which I think is beautiful and it's would you call yourself like a freelancer in that respect or yeah I would say definitely like a freelancer I do have like a part-time job in like Mm -hmm. cosmetic retail which is Mm. like so I'm like constantly doing makeup um (laughs) but my freelance work is also in makeup so I do have the balance of being able to take on certain creative projects where I can be like collaborative or you know can turn off and just do a certain look that's being requested um but then the also like part-time work aspect comes into it where um I also um have a stable income which is a good balance so I do have like um I've allowed myself the space where um I can have like a stable income and like make the money that um, I need to sort of help fuel and like fuel my sort of passion mm-hmm. I suppose and then um, I'm also able to do the projects that I want to do oh, awesome yeah so it's always yeah that's really good that like you have sort of everything to your divine will and like it just so happens that everything is almost like in balance and perfect equilibrium and mm. yeah I, I feel like at my age um, especially or even younger it can be a bit difficult for creatives to find that sort of balance mm-hmm. um, especially um, if you are like working in retail like yeah. my friend told me <laughs> <laughs> retail oh, is yeah. a journey <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of my friends told me um, I'll give a shout out to Lisa Ho um, if you're Hi, listening Lisa. to this <laughs> she she actually asked me um, tonight oh, can you take my shift next Wednesday? And I said, no, I have, like, something on next Wednesday. Mm. I have a podcast recording. And mm. she has, like, um, <laughs> it was so funny because she has, like, a video shoot as well. Because uh-huh. <laughs> we're just, like, a bunch of creative people who just doesn't have time for retail. Yeah. But then at the same time, you need retail to feel yeah. yourself. Yeah. So. I-, I feel like with mm, this has been, like, something that, I had found like hard as well like especially like when leaving high school I was like well I know I want to be in a creative field um but I also know that straight off the bat it's not the most sustainable thing so I do know that I need something to give it a little bit of like a backbone to fall back on um which was good because then you know I do have like my retail job um and then that's like a good stable income for me to like save and then also have um but then it's an also it's also good because then that helps me that allows me the resources to um be able to be creative Mm. yeah absolutely yeah I think it's 
I want us to ask this question as well. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just very spontaneous. Yeah, I, th- I think when it comes to accepting, like, there's not really a lot of financial, um, I guess a lot of financial support from, like, being in the arts. So, like, yeah. it's very difficult to find a job in the arts. Um, how do you, how does your family respond when you tell them that, like, you're a makeup artist? Or do you tell mm. them at all that you work in makeup? Um, do they have, like, a very sour, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I know for sure that um because I um I actually made the decision to leave high school before I could graduate like literally three months before I could graduate, um and that was like a very hard thing for my mom and my dad to sort of take into account. They were sort of like, "Why you're so close," um but I was like, "Well, I can't do it," um and I know I can't do it because of like my mental health and like. Um, and it was something that I had been like thinking about like for a while Um, and I was like well because of the thing like the the path that I want to take I know I want to be a creative and like in you know like art school dropout or whatever Um, I like made that conscious decision and um, like it was something that they definitely had to warm up to um, but then when they could see like very, very typical of like a Filipino family, like when they can see that you're being successful in it, that's when they sort of warm up to it and they're sort of like, oh, OK, so you are like genuinely um, making like a sustainable sort of um, path for yourself, which is good. And like something that happened recently as well um, because of like restrictions being lifted and stuff like a lot of my extended family we we went out for dinner one night and then we went out for dessert after um and then without telling anyone like I went to the front counter and I just paid for dessert and it was like a it was like a big bill and then they were all sort of shocked they're like oh my god and then like one of my grandmothers like um started crying because she was like she was like oh my god I can't believe how big you are now and like you have a job and like wow and then they just started making jokes like, okay, it's Jules turn next time. She's going to pay for the bill next time. And I was like, haha. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because they've always been so conflicted about the path that I've taken because it's not like a very, I guess, typical um, path when it comes to, cause like uh, it comes from like a place of like um, love I think for sure but very like tough love I think because they they do want you to have like a stable job and like um like a very like you know very 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 good job when it like they're like you we want you to be like a doctor or like be a lawyer or like um but um I feel like I like was really like I really forced them to sort of understand it because I can be like very hard-headed I think um and because like I also very genuinely thankfully like believed in myself and like knew um my capabilities Mm. wow that's wonderful and it's so wonderful that like you have you eventually your parents sort of eventually warmed up for to it because like not very often like filler parents can accept Mm. that you have you're getting into the creative industries like they're like very very stern about oh you need to like have yeah you need to be a doctor or a lawyer Mm. because they it's all going back to that collective mindset of giving back to society because we give back to you like um that kind of stuff so yeah I'm really happy to hear that like you have that supportive network and like your family 
supports you and like that you can you're a reliable source of income now <laughs> yeah and even if they didn't support me I still would have been like a bit of like a hard head and being like well this is my job like <laughs> exactly yeah there's nothing you can do yeah <laughs> cool um yeah so we're just up to the last few questions now um I want to just sort of get into further into I guess, like, more broadly speaking, Western Sydney. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, as you might know, and I think a lot of people from Western Sydney would know, um, you would normally think Western Sydney is... Like, people would think, oh, you guys are so accepting because you're multicultural, yada, yada, yada. Mm. But we are surprisingly conservative because, you know, as you know, um, when we had the plebiscite for gay marriage, we're one Mm. of the few areas who voted no. Mm. Um, And it's also very difficult for queer and trans people to find a safe space across Western Sydney and to navigate those spaces because most of the time those spaces you'd find um, within the inner city and like the inner West. So Mm. I wanted to ask, um, do you think Western Sydney has a queer future for queer creatives such as yourself? And how do you think we can pave the way for LGBT creatives in Mm. the future? Absolutely. I feel like there's definitely like a future for um, the LGBT community in the West Um, because I feel like us as the creatives now um, at this age, we're still very young. We are, we're, you know, we're the community that's emerging. Um, So we're sort of the next in the public eye that's um, going to be visible for people to see that there are like, you know, queer people exist in, in the West and, um, you know, they're thriving and like, like visible and busy and like, like doing the work. Um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, like there is definitely like a future and I feel like we're, we're definitely like paving the way already just um, in the fact that we are existing as we are we don't necessarily have to be um you know out there and like like constantly like in the public eye and like having to um talk about it all the time I feel like um the best way that we're able to be visible is just by um being who we are because um like you know our existence in itself is like the resistance that we need our existence is the resistance i love that (laughs) (laughs) so it's like that just rhymes like i'm still working off that (laughs) no but yeah i've been like thinking about that a lot and like this is something that also raven mentioned and that we've talked about a lot um as friends um is just that um we're always caught in this sort of feeling the need to have to be that person who's out there and visible and like um you know constantly preaching but um you know that's that's a lot of energy and sometimes we can't do that all the time um and it's also it doesn't have to be our job all the time to have to explain these things to people that you know oh like the west isn't like you know two-dimensional and like it's just it's it's incredibly incredibly diverse in um its queer community and um like cultural identity um and yeah I just feel like yeah it's just it's (laughs) it's just like yeah yeah no that's not that's great I think 
sorry, we're still going with no, that as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> your, your brain. <laughs> your mind. Uh, Bla- no. Brain explosion. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I love your answer for that. Like, I don't think you have to always, like, fit into, like, a mold all the time. Mm. Like, that's so true. Um, especially, it's, all, it's almost like you have to continuously, like, keep, only compete with yourself. Um, yeah that like yourself should be only be only competitor because mm. if you keep competing with you know like within your own circles or within like other people in, in the city mm. like you, you're only gonna put more stress on yourself yeah and, you fully. Know, and you have such you have such a big emphasis on working within this intimate space that's the word mm. i was thinking of um and yeah it's so like it's so easy to forget this idea of intimacy within um queer identities because a lot of the time yeah as you said like it is almost like very community oriented Mm -hmm. like we have to go back to um finding space for yourself and yes going back to just a very fundamental principles of yeah Mm self-affirmation so yeah i think that's a really wonderful answer so (laughs) um cool so do you have any projects that you want to share on um this platform or do you want to keep it to yourself um Um, is this something because you seem because looking at your instagram mm -hmm. like that seems to be like your main portfolio is it yeah Yeah. as as of now instagram is definitely like my main and only portfolio at the Mm -hmm. moment i used to also have like um my drag account which has been archived now because guess who's not doing drag mm-hmm. um but yeah as as of now I've got my freelance account up at the moment um and I'm being I've been like very as I said like selective with my projects and have been taking a lot of time to focus on myself and my my own healing which mm-hmm. has been good yeah, um but yeah in terms of like um future projects coming up um nothing so much to do with myself if that comes that's more of like a I guess a spontaneous thing um but I'm working at the moment with um my friends Nicole and Ford for their um undressing Hollywood collection Mm -hmm. um and directing looks for their upcoming runway show so that's one thing to look forward to awesome yeah very yeah. exciting that, that entitled itself is just wow mm. like <laughs> it just sounds so theatrical um definitely link me to it yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah no i'm excited for those projects um and i think listening to like the way you operate as an artist i don't think you always have to have an obligation to announce everything mm. like do you feel that way like with definitely before i like i felt like i always had to be like I'm going to be at this event, at this club on Saturday, blah, 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 with this group of people. Um, But now I'm just sort of like, um, I was talking with um, my friends, Tim and Katie last night, they're Nicole and Ford. um, And we were just talking about social media and like the fact that if we didn't have the, the jobs that we have as creatives, we, we would, we really wouldn't have social media um because like that's a platform for us to be able to share our work and also to get work um but 
I don't like it's just mm. um, as creatives I don't feel like we don't need to constantly be sharing everything that we do it can also it can be, it can always be like a internal progress that we um, keep to ourselves and I feel like that's that's me at the moment I've definitely been doing a lot of creative makeup um, on myself mm. keeping to myself yeah. um, but um, I've always felt the pressure to post it mm-hmm. and always to be constantly posting. But at the moment, it's very much like, hey, if I don't like this thing that I do, I don't have to post it. No one has to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that pressure also comes from the fact that I think makeup culture is very influencer heavy. Mm. Like if you look at, say, like the typical like James Charles or yeah. the Taddies and... um Brentman Rocks and all that kind of yeah. like all the YouTubers, the toxic YouTubers. Yes, <laughs> fully. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's it's, another yeah. podcast in yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Like it is absolutely toxic. Oh yeah, like, it's insane. It's and, yeah. and it's very very easy to fall into the pressure of needing to be on top and needing to do like the best look and the most like crisp fucking cut crease and <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. Um, but like, who cares? It's like makeup. I exactly. think of it like in the way that. I used to think seriously about like painting and the way that I would draw it's like I don't need to do the most perfect drawing or like painting it's just you know I have Mm. to focus on the things that I love and then um when I like talk about the things that I love and post the things that I like love and like um and I'm like passionate about and like energetic about Mm -hmm. that's the energy that people respond to because it's it's genuine it doesn't it's not um like fake mm-hmm. and like yeah yeah it's not manufactured yeah it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah it's like hard for me to like articulate yeah. um but um yeah i feel like it's if anything it's like um you know a protection of your energy and like when people can see that your art and your passion comes from a genuine place of love that's when people really respond to it yeah absolutely yeah and yeah they, they would get that sort of intuitively um mm. like when people sort of respond to work in that sort of light so yeah i really love that it's, it's wonderful um i guess my last question this is the very very last one <laughs> um and i've been asking this question very similarly and and this, this is kind of like how i end the podcast now because uh-huh. and i think it's a very good way to do it mm. um what advice would you give to queer creatives in Western Sydney? So it doesn't just have to be makeup artists. It could mm. be queer writers, queer filmmakers, queer, um, even, yeah, queer writers. I read it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there's more to Western Sydney than writing and film. Yeah. <laughs> um, just any queer creative, like just anyone who just wants to sort of bring their identity out there into their own works or yeah what advice what advice would you give to them um definitely remain center um I like to meditate I feel like that grounds me and like meditation comes in like different ways you don't have to just sit down with it I find it very um meditative and like cleansing to be in the shower and to you know wash myself of like negativity and things like that um I definitely say like you know practice makes perfect I feel like that's something that's so easy to say but like it's so easy to forget as well um I definitely fall in and out of loops of 
um self-care but um it's always important to pick yourself back up again um always like stay inspired I feel like um there are like definitely times where I really push myself with like my part-time work um and forget to leave time for myself even just to like you know watch a movie that I really really love um or like to read a book that I really love and it doesn't have to be something new every time you can find comfort in like um comfort things that you already love and you know that you love it's just like it's just nice to bring yourself back like always ground yourself and bring yourself back to the place where okay this is why I'm doing this and this is why I love the things that I do because it's very hard it's very easy to like lose track of that sometimes yeah oh beautiful that's a really beautiful note to end on yeah just bringing back to just aligning with yourself and Mm. yeah like sort of remembering that the interests that you're passionate about like very simple interests um outside of your practice is just very very important because yeah it fuels your inspiration and it fuels yourself as well yeah so yeah that's wonderful anyway um that's the end of the interview um thank you so much jade for joining (laughs) us thank you for having me no worries um so just remind us um you're only you only have one social media on instagram yep that all of you know of yeah (laughs) do you want to spell it out for viewers um it's it's at novo so it's n-e-a-r-v-o-u-v cool awesome yeah i'll definitely put the link in the description for that so yeah no worries thank you so much again that was such a beautiful talk thanks (laughs) this episode of the western podcast is hosted and edited by nicole catalina with intro and outro music by the Western co-founder, Clarissa May. The Western is founded by our editor-in-chief, Laura Ranola, and recorded at our Duneside home in Western Sydney. You can follow us on Facebook at The Western and on Instagram at the.western. Again, that's at the.western. For more interviews, live pieces, and content from us, visit our website at thewestern.com.au. Thank you for listening. Peace out.